In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Welcome back. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I may have taken a slight break, and part of that was intentional. Part of it was just trying to manage all of the things before we left for Hawaii. And as I started to fret about it, I realized, you know, this is one of the things that aligns with my values is taking breaks and taking a pause. And so I appreciate your patience as I took a couple of weeks off. And I did that partially because I wanted to make sure I continue to deliver really great content. So I am excited because I do have a smorgasbord of amazing recordings already done for the rest of the summer and into the fall. And I am so excited to present a lot more information. So there's a lot more coming. I don't want you to think I'm taking a break impermanently or anything like that. I just needed a little break to catch up and get back into a routine. So thank you for that. Today, I have a really fun experience to bring you someone who has done events, but I think the lens they bring is really fascinating. And it comes from the lens of understanding how to create an experience Every once in a while, I think you come across someone who just enamors you just a little bit. They have skills and experiences that are just so different from yours that maybe it's it's jealousy or, I don't know, envy to some degree. But at the same time, there's just this mutual respect. They recognize that what you do is different and are enamored, maybe mutually enamored by you. And so I think that's the level of connection I have with Don Rashala. I first began interacting with Dawn just over five years ago through our work paths. Dawn has 20 years of experience in corporate marketing and events and currently manages the U.S. Venture Open. And just to give some context, the U.S. Venture Open is unlike anything I've ever experienced. It is a one-day golf outing event that attracts like 1,200 people. (laughs) And, And it's so Wisconsin. You know, we all meet in this big tent for dinner with a celebrity. And every celebrity, I think, is like, this is so Wisconsin. It's so funny. Um, But they've attracted celebrities like Dwayne Wade, Michael Phelps, Matthew McConaughey. And this year is Charlize Theron. And the event raises, well, last year they raised over $4.5 million. And all to address the root causes of poverty in our region. So it's a critical event. But what I think is so fascinating is that Dawn is manager of this event. And she is the master of recognizing the details that make an experience memorable. Beyond this work, though, she's a spontaneous adventurer who loves to see how things go and invest in the experience she's most interested in creating. On a personal note, Dawn is kind of an OG to Ordinary Sherpa. She literally listens to every single episode the morning they drop. And I am so grateful to have Dawn, not just in my tribe of listeners, but as a colleague and a friend. And so Dawn, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Let's just jump right into it. When you think about what creates an awesome event, 
knowing like the the frame or the lens that you're seeing events through, what kind of things do you think are important? Well, I think one of the big things is the details. And I think as an attendee of an event, those might not be the things people notice unless they're missing or unless there's something wrong. So like one really simple example I have, and this might be kind of weird, but I remember going to a wedding of a friend once and I walked in to the dinner at the reception and the candles at the head table were not lit. And for me, I was, I was mortified, like, oh my goodness, I went and found a lighter and I lit all the candles because if (laughs) I was the bride and my guests were arriving, that would be one of those details of the ambiance that comes with the dinner and that candle lighting that you see when you walk in that you need to have when your guests arrive. Yeah. So that's just one really kind of small detail, right? But those are the kinds of things when you're planning an event that you really have to think through. Yeah. I want to pause you for just a second because you and I have worked on event. So it was a golf outing and we were walking up to the event and I remember you saying, so they're supposed to be grilling out and we're in Wisconsin. And I remember you saying, oh, they're not grilling the brats. That's a miss. So what was it about the brats that you thought was so important that would make that experience unique for that attendee? Yeah. So the brat piece, it's part of the whole aesthetic, right? So you think about your sense of smell. So if you're not from Wisconsin, you might not understand this, but when you're (laughs) tailgating at Lambeau, like I know the people that have done that, you can smell it. Like you can smell the beer brats on the grill. So as part of the event that you're talking about that we do, it's 36 years. And for 36 years, that piece of the grilling of the food, when you walk up to the golf course and when you're golfing, that's part of the aesthetic of the event. So for me, when I was walking up, that's one of those things I'm ticking in my head because I'm thinking about all of the different pieces and really making sure everything is going as planned and timed out as planned. And I'm ticking it off. So if it's not happening, like I didn't smell them, that's telling me I have to go check and find out why the brats aren't on the grill, you know, and then thinking about all the other things, because really managing an event and especially a large scale event with a lot of attendees across a lot of locations, in this case, all of those small details, and it's managing through the chaos, because things are going to go wrong. Things are not going to go as planned. So how do you manage to that and make sure that you're fixing it as you go? Yeah. And just for my listeners, I'll just give a quick intro and then I want you to tell a little bit about it. But we're going to transition into your own, like how you travel and how you attend events later as an attendee then. But just to give some reference to listeners, we aren't just talking about like a little golf outing. We're talking about a multi-million dollar fundraiser with celebrities that attend. And I I don't know how many people are in attendance for this one day event. 1,200 people the last time we were all in person, which was 2019. And then in 2020, you like shifted in eight weeks and made it a media-thon and raised how much money? 
um, 4.6 million. <laughs> yeah. So we aren't exactly talking about like a little fundraiser. Oh, so you now, obviously, so that is a huge role. And there's so much that goes into planning that event. I know when I've talked to you or when you've posted in our Facebook group, you're like, I don't want to be planning anything then when I'm traveling. So talk to me about like, how do you find joy then in travel and not worry about the details? Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I think because event planning is such a big part of what I'm doing for work, when it comes to my personal life, I do not want to plan anything. And my husband is an engineer. So he is the complete opposite. He wants everything like down to the T in a spreadsheet, black and white. This is what we're doing. This is when we're stopping where I would rather jump in a car and drive and just figure it out. And if we don't even know where we're going, who cares if you get lost? We're, you know, we don't have a timeline on when we have to be somewhere or, don't know where we're staying. So I'm very, I'm Heidi, not like you in that I've never been in an RV. We've camped a couple times, but my back is so bad that I can't stand tent camping. Yeah. So we're more of, we'll jump in the car and drive across the country. And I ha- we have a little bit of a middle ground <laughs> where my husband does more of the planning. And then as we're driving, like I'll search places like, okay, tonight we think we're going to make it to Kansas City. So let's try to find somewhere to stay. And to be honest with you, I'm okay <laughs> driving up. Hey, that hotel looks cool. Let's get off here. I'll walk in and ask if there's they have room. If they don't, who cares? We'll just jump back in the car and keep going. My husband is... He doesn't work really well in that setting, but I'm totally cool with it. And the whole like roadside attractions, like if I'm by myself or with my son, I'm all about that. My husband usually won't let us stop. (laughs) One trip I would like to just, can we just wing it and really try to get him to my side? I mean, I know we, we need to plan some of it, but even thinking of like, you know, Disney is a really good example. We've been to Disney before we had our son as adults and we've taken our son, I think once, and we didn't plan it. Like, obviously we figured out where we were staying. We usually stay at a Disney property, but we really kind of winged the rest of it. And to be honest, I kind of like the, I don't know if it's lack of commitment, (laughs) but when I wake up in the morning, we can do whatever we want. And my husband is very, you know, deliberate about, well, today they have magic hours. I'm like, magic hours are me sleeping in and getting up at 10 instead of, (laughs) you know, getting on all these rides. But we did do magic hours. And, you know, I did agree that it's nice. You don't have to wait in line as long. But it's also, it's almost like traveling, you know, like his and hers, or if you don't necessarily agree on what you'd like to do or want to do. Yeah. I love that because I felt like if we're doing Disney, I'm going to optimize it and get every single thing out of it. And I honestly, it was one of the worst experiences actually ever. I mean, Disney was magical and it was good and we did all the things and I'm glad we checked that box, but I had so much anxiety when I was there that I I felt because I planned so much of it, I really didn't get to enjoy it. 
I really felt like if once we got to midday and I could just be like, okay, now I don't care, then, you know, I could ease up and we ended up going back to the hotel. I think the kids had just as much fun in the hotel swimming pool as they did at Disney, quite honestly. (laughs) It's always so ironic, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about not having to plan it all out. Now, you know, I think that's easy for me to say we only have one child. I think it's easier to not be so structured with only one. But at the same time, like when I think of Disney, I do not think of being anxious about the planning of it or trying to execute that plan. We just went and we stayed in a pirate room and we had so much fun. Um, I brought my camera. I took lots of beautiful pictures. Like my son still remembers it. So I'm, I'm very anti, oh my gosh, we're going to go in a year. Everyone tell me everything I need to know. And, you know, part of it might be also the lack of focus on maximizing. I never looked at it that way you know, like trying to get out everything I needed to get out of it. Like I had a couple things I wanted to do and going to Orlando the last time we went, I wanted to go see all the Harry Potter stuff at Universal. That's really the only thing I wanted. The rest of it, we had been there as adults, but I wanted my son to experience it, but it wasn't like stressful at all. Another story that's interesting, just as long as we're on the Disney piece, and some people might not know this, and some people may not want to do this either, but When I started working, my my background the last 20 years plus has been in marketing and events. And I started out doing trade shows all over the country for many, many years. So I've been to lots of big cities. But one of the first ones that I went to as a young 20-something-year-old was out in Anaheim. We had a trade show. And I had some downtime. And I was not traveled as a young person, the first time I ever got on an airplane was when I went to Cancun for spring break. So I hadn't been anywhere. The only place I had been was our eighth grade trip to Chicago, the big city. So I've done a lot of traveling since I started working. But anyway, so I had never been to Disneyland. And I had some downtime when we were in Anaheim. So I went by myself. And now I probably think of it and maybe I would question that. But I had so much fun and it was my opportunity. Like I'm here in Anaheim. I can literally walk to Disneyland. I'm going to go. So I went by myself, asked random strangers to take my photo with Minnie Mouse. And that's a true story. Like I, that's, I wanted to see Mickey and Minnie and I got my photo taken with them. And the, the one bonus piece of that is as a single you can skip the line and you can be a filler on all the rides. So I could literally walk up and go on any ride as a filler. It was a little bit awkward, but I didn't really care because I was at Disneyland. Yeah. You're like, it's the happiest place on earth. Why wouldn't you be happy? Right. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. You are my event guru. I think you have traveled to more concerts and sporting events than I've ever, like you're the person I know that travels and does cool things, but like concerts and stuff that I would never attend. So tell me about like, how did you get into that? How did you become that person that I I, seriously, every time there's a concert, I feel like you're at it. So So that might be FOMO coming out a little bit. So I, and, and, and I'm kind of being honest a little bit there. So in, I think it was 2019. It was the year I told my husband, I was declaring it 
this is the year of the concert. I'm going to go to every concert that I can just because there were some really great bands coming within driving distance and there were bands that I'd always wanted to see. And I think some of it is kind of bucket list items where if you think of like some of the top acts that you love and you would really want to see them in concert. So one of them was U2 and they were playing in Chicago. So the fear of missing out piece, when I was in college, I went to UW-Madison and U2 came and played and I literally lived within a block of where they played and I didn't get tickets to go and I've always regretted that. So when U2 was coming to Chicago, I told my husband, I'm like, we're going, I'm going to get extra tickets and we'll figure out who we're bringing with us. So we've been kind of on this kick especially if it's close concerts within driving distance where we will get tickets and we'll sometimes buy four and not even know who we're bringing. Other times they're like groups of girlfriends who will get tickets. Paul McCartney came to Lambeau Field, I think it was 2019, and there are a bunch of friends getting tickets and I'm like, I'm totally in, like I want to go. I didn't care who I sat with. I didn't care where the seats were. So it ended up somehow me and a friend that I used to work, we ended up sitting together separate from the rest of the group. We had so much fun, but that's one of them that like you too, like if Paul McCartney is coming within 30 minutes of where we live, like, I'm sorry, but I need to go. Yeah. You don't need to say you're sorry either. Well, and I think some of it's the venue. So right when Lambo started allowing concerts in, like they started with country and I'm, I'm, I like all genres of music. Country is not at the top of my list, (laughs) but I wasn't really into some of the bands that they brought in. But then I was like, man, I should have just gone. So when Paul McCartney was going, that one's kind of a no brainer, but there are others like, at Summerfest, I know we got Chris Stapleton tickets, although that one's been rescheduled. And my ultimate favorite musician is John Mellencamp. I have loved him since I was a little girl. He is the celebrity that I would want to meet just because I love his music so much. So my husband has taken me to many of his concerts. I've probably seen him going on 10 times, but he was playing out in Colorado. And we had lived in Colorado for three years. And we had been back in Wisconsin for a few. And my husband decided as a gift, he got me tickets to see him at a really small venue in Colorado. And we just, just he and I flew out to Denver and saw him. And it was so awesome because it was such a small venue. We were in the last row on the floor in the center. And I stood up, I think, the whole time, even when everyone else was sitting down. And there was one song. He was center stage singing it from the microphone, like literally singing it to me. I'm like, oh, my God, Chris, he's singing to me. Like, do you see him? Because I was the only one standing up. So there are other examples like that. When we were first dating, one of the gifts he got me was four tickets to see Madonna in Chicago. And that again, was like the ultimate bought me the four tickets. And I brought three of my girlfriends. 
and we drove down to Chicago and saw Madonna. Now it was nosebleeds versus now I feel like I'm in a position where that's something that I want to invest in is some of that entertainment piece and things that maybe, you know, I could only afford nosebleeds back 20 years ago, but now I want to be the VIP around the stage. That's No, I think that's awesome because if that's what drives you, so many people have a bucket list or so many people have something, but then they just kind of wait for it to happen. And what I love about the story you're telling is that you made it happen. And not only did you make it happen, but you're going to make it the experience you want it to be rather than, you know, like accepting whatever happens. I think that's really cool that you're having some intentionality around really getting to experience what you want. And are these all... Well, let's go back because I know there's also sporting events. I know you've been to some Olympic bobsled things and Daytona 500 things. Like, are these all things that genuinely interest you or do you just, what makes you decide this is going to be an event that I'm going to go to? Well, so a lot of the things you're talking about, which it's USA Luge, not to be compared to bobsled. I'm sorry. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of them are based around work. So because I'm planning the events, I do have unique opportunities to go to the events. So I realize that that isn't the case for everybody. But I would say I take the opportunity when it presents itself, where in some cases I wouldn't have to. But some of these big events, like if you think of the Daytona 500, that was an annual event that a company I used to work for sponsors, and I had never been to it. I mean, that's the Super Bowl of racing. I'm not uh, into racing. I've I've seen it. That's not really, you know, where I would focus my time or, you know, an event I would pick. But because it was Daytona 500 and I had planned many events there, I wanted to go and attend it and be an attendee kind of on the other side at the same time as hosting people to attend. And we had to do some really amazing things like ride on a fire truck around the track, which is really, really cool. Another one is Sturgis, which again, with that same company, I had the opportunity to go out and Sturgis again is more my family's jam, not really mine, but it's one of those iconic events that I'm like, well, I, I might as well go and check it out and, you know, see what's all going on. And it was very interesting, very fun. I mean, I had a blast. It probably had to do with some of the people that I was with, which I, you know, knew some of our um, dealers at the time that were there and just said, Hey, I'm going to be here. And then they let me hang out with them the whole time. So it's almost kind of being, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, you know, almost similar to the Disney story where I'm going by myself, where I'm also kind of opening myself up and saying, hey, you guys, I I hear you're going to be here. Do you mind if I hang out with you? (laughs) They're bikers. And then you kind of see a whole different lens to the world that I had never experienced before. And it was so much fun and so unique too. Right. Absolutely. I'm kind of laughing on the inside because I've actually been to both of those events and I am not a racer and I am not I guess I am a Harley girl now because I married my husband. 
But I think it's ironic because the reason I love travel is exactly the same reasons you just shared, that even though this isn't my thing, you meet these people and you get to see an, an entirely different side of who these people are, but also what the experience is like. Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of racing, and I could really care less. I don't know who these drivers are. I Like, did they crash? Why are they stopping? Like, I had probably more questions than anyone, but the experience was really interesting and I also think Sturgis was fascinating that you get to see all different walks of life show up for this one event. And I also thought that this was not my dream, but my husband was really enjoying it. So sometimes you do things out of sacrifice or (laughs) out of connection for the love of your partner. And apparently your husband does that for you, too. So that's I think that's part of a partnership. Yeah. And you have a really unique story to Sturgis, don't you? Um, Yeah, I think... The reason my husband married me is because I went to Sturgis with him, kind of on a whim. We were coming back from a road trip. No, not really a road trip. I used to live in Chicago. I took him down there for a weekend. And on our way back, he said, look at all these awesome bands in Sturgis. And I was like, well, let's go. And he's like, it's in two weeks. And I was like, so who cares? Like, let's just go. So we he had a small Sportster, which is like the smallest, sportiest Harley Davidson bike that you can have. And we left on a Wednesday and we came back on a Sunday, which is like from Wisconsin to South Dakota. It's it's a drive. And then I made him buy a bigger bike because I was uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's why he's married to me. <laughs> like I said, the things you do in a partnership. Yeah. Give and take. And, you know, sometimes you do have fun doing things that would get you out of your normal scope of entertainment. Yeah. Well, and even like you mentioned, it's probably not something that was on my list, but when the opportunity was there, I was willing to say yes. And to be willing to reach out and connect with people that may or may not be in your network, I think is also a really important, I think of how many different events we go to in a year. Well, I mean, prior to 2020, obviously, where you go to a conference or something and you're just like, I don't want to entertaining people or meeting people. But but yet at the same time, I do. And I think it's always been awkward to just randomly start having conversations with strangers about things other than work. So I think some of these events are actually really fun to meet people and find your tribe too. So I want to talk a little bit about, I know you've opened yourself up to other opportunities when they presented themselves. You want to talk about Africa? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things in, in thinking about this discussion today is really saying yes to opportunities that present themselves. Like when people talk about or ask like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Do you want to go to this concert? Sometimes being available. And again, I know that's easier said than done, especially with those of us who have kids. But I think sometimes when you become that person it opens other opportunities up because when you're thinking of people like, who could I call? Like I have this extra ticket who would come with me. Oh, let's, let's call Heidi and see what she's up to. I know she's always game for fun, but then there are bigger opportunities and maybe sometimes, I don't know if scarier is the right word, but opportunities that are way outside of your comfort zone. So one of those with the company that I work with, we support a school in Africa And every other year, there's a team membership to go to Kenya. So when I found that out, right when I started working, but I put my name in and said, I want to go. Because when else would you have an opportunity to go to Africa? I think for me, that 
in some ways was on my bucket list, but not in the way that this opportunity presented itself. You know, I think people think of African safaris, which we did do that. And it was amazing and will forever change my perspective on going to a zoo um, when you see animals in their natural habitat. But the bigger picture of this opportunity was really experiencing what it's like for individuals to live in the slums of Nairobi and and experience that firsthand. The school that we support is called Vikodak, and it's in the slums of Rangai, which is about a two square mile radius of slums. And this school is a beacon of hope for the students and that community. And it just, it's so hard to describe that experience and how it changes your perspective on life in such profound ways that like here, we we just take so much for granted from running water to electricity to Wi-Fi or internet access to access to healthcare. And even when you talk about healthcare, I'm, I'm talking about access to glasses if you need prescription glasses or Tylenol if you have a headache, even beyond if you're having a baby or have to manage, you know, a disease. So it's just so overwhelming. And that opportunity, when it presented itself, I put my name in, I was super nervous about it and probably mostly nervous about the safety aspect and probably the unknown piece of it, which in going, yeah, there certainly were times when, you know, there was a lion like right out there and, or a hippo and it could literally like run and attack you. But the, just the, the outlook that it gives you on life and especially how we choose to live our life here when we have so much privilege, Mm -hmm. you just, you can't even, it's really hard to put that into words. I feel like everyone should go on one of those experiences sometime in their life just to be extremely uncomfortable and to recognize how good you have it. Unfortunately, it doesn't, it's easy to fall back into your normal life when you get back. And I think that's true on a lot of adventures that, you know, the adventure ends, you had this moment, whether Mm -hmm. it was you know, a camp or an experience or a vacation and you just kind of drift back into normal life. And that's, that's kind of the coming down part, I think of adventure too, is that we don't often give ourselves the time to reflect and transition, but boy, are those moments powerful when you have them. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you could experience, like if I would have had the opportunity to experience that with my family because I'm, I'm trying to bring that back to them, to especially my son, and really get him to understand that, you know, the struggle and the differences and just how good we have it here and, and what you choose to do with what we have too, you know? Yeah, it gives you a completely different perspective, I think, on how you make your choices and live your life. Yeah. I know when I... 
I was a teacher in Chicago public schools for a while, too, and I, I said, I wish everyone could be a teacher here for a day to just start challenging all the assumptions that we carry about other people and the lives that they're leading and what some people are dealing with on a regular basis and how they have to make choices. It's really easy to sit in the passenger seat and tell people that they're not doing things right. You know, I think that just at a moral perspective, I don't think any person wakes up. I used to say this all the time as a teacher. I don't think as a mom now, I don't think any mom wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bad mom today. Like, I don't think that's anyone's intention. Yet life hands you a lot of really interesting things that you have to work through. And we may not always make the best choices or it's really complicated, I think, that to know what some people are dealing with and having a little bit of empathy and seeing it and experiencing it under their terms versus our lens, I think it gives it a a completely different dynamic. Mm -hmm. That got deep. (laughs) Sorry. It puts everything else in perspective too, but it is easy to lose that perspective. Well, it's also a little bit of what I said in Why We Adventure, because I think the experience is much richer when you actually do it you know, versus like you just said, you went to Africa, you mm. had that experience, but now you're trying to explain it to your son. Well, your son didn't have the same experience. So the the impact isn't as deep. Yeah. So I've talked about that a lot with, with our kids and with my husband. I was like, we. it's not about the vacation per se. It's about the experience and the learning and the actual doing of the activity that is what makes it most meaningful. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I went here or I went there. It's more about what you can actually experience this versus learning about it in a book. Yeah. And you know, that this is really crazy how this came full circle, but like I literally, there are certain pieces of it that bring me back and I can literally smell some of it. Right. So that <laughs> it really does tie to the event piece of it. When you think about the experience, how you experience and remember that the most impactful piece of our trip was there's a feeding program where there are thousands of kids that are fed through the feeding program. The surrounding school children come to Vigodak for their lunch and they literally have less than, I believe, 45 minutes to run from their school to Vigodak. They stand in line And then we were able to serve. So we were, I think I was behind like a rice porridge, serving the rice porridge. And I can smell it because they're cooking everything on like in these big wood pots and it's like open fire. So that fire is very distinct, that smoky flavor. But literally they're these boys, these teenagers that are dripping sweat. And one of them had his plate and I put a ladle of the porridge on his plate and he looked, kept looking at me and I was like, do you want more? He's hungry. So I gave him another ladle. And then one of the ladies that worked there came over to me and she goes, he's you, you, we won't have enough. You can only give him one ladle. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, but this is a growing teenage boy and he needs more food. It was just that, Oh, it just, you know, so thankful that we have the opportunity to do it and also so heartbreaking at the same time. But also it just brings me back thinking about it because I can smell it. 
Yeah. So let's go to this event that you plan each year, because I do think that actually fuels really well into why do you do this event? What is the purpose of the event? Yeah. So we raise millions of dollars to end poverty in Northeast Wisconsin. It's the U.S. Venture Open, and it's held the second Wednesday of August every year. So this year it's August 11th. And we have, the last time we were in person, we had 950 golfers at six golf courses in Northeast Wisconsin. So that's across Oshkosh, Appleton, and Green Bay. And we bring, like I said, 1,200 people together for dinner with a guest of honor, huge Online in live auction, the guest of honor two years ago was Matthew McConaughey. We've had Michael Phelps, many other big names, which is always quite exciting and brings a lot of depth to the event. That's for sure. Yeah. It's so fun to see you in your element. And I know you're stressed out to the max on that day and you need like a week off. But I think of how many people are planning events and just the level of detail that you think through from the volunteer experience to the donor experience to an attendee's experience to the guest of honor experience. When you say user experience or the attendee experience, you're looking at it from all these different angles and you are such a gem and I have appreciated working with you so much in all these different events that we've done together and getting to work alongside you over the years. It's been so much fun. So I really appreciate your both your expertise, but also just recognizing like there's a place for adventure in all of this too. It's not just about the event. It is about the experience and what that event does in our community is really, it's pretty mind blowing actually. Thank you. Yeah. Dawn, if people are interested in the event or would like to follow up with you in any way, um, are you willing to share your contact information in the show notes? Yes. Perfect. So um, we can also share usventureopen.com. I can provide a link for the school in Africa to VicoDoc, yeah. um, which is supported through Kenya Works. And I could supply that link. And then I am active on the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook and Instagram pages. Yeah. You're one of my like first time listeners. I I always (laughs) love to get the voice of my community because, well, that's what this podcast was designed for, though. This is not like the epic full-time travelers. This was meant for everyday ordinary families who are working and managing all the things. And so it's always fun when I can get the voice of my listeners on the show. And I know this is not comfortable for you. I know (laughs) this is not something you've ever done before. So I am really appreciative Way to step your foot into another adventure. Right. I had to say yes, right? I mean, the, the <laughs> opportunity presented itself. Yeah. And I want to say as a, a listener, like originally, let's be honest, I listened to it because it was you, Heidi. So I was like, oh, what is this? I'm so intrigued. This is so cool. I'm into podcasting, but most of what I listen to is true crime. This is way outside of that genre, but... I've been really surprised at how much of the content I can apply. And, you know, like, like I'm thinking, I'm not climbing a mountain. I'm not really, I'm not into RVing. I'm not, I I hike a little bit. And actually on our last vacation, we did go hiking. Thanks to listening every Wednesday morning when your podcast (laughs) is, but, um, 
I've been really pleasantly surprised at the tidbits that I can take away from it, or even just sometimes thinking just outside the box on, yeah, you know what, we are in this maybe system of things, and why does it have to be like that? Maybe I can do things a little bit differently than the way, you know, society says I have to, or other simple takeaways on just family adventure and doing something fun with a theme to dinner or something like that. So I want to thank you for that because I've definitely enjoyed it and look forward to the drops every week. Thank you. I'm like smiling from ear to ear. (laughs) This is exactly why I wanted to do this. I really wanted people to recognize like you can, it doesn't have to be hard and you can connect. So that's really exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Dawn. I am so excited to have those little tidbits to think about. I know so many of us as we're thinking about going back to events or conferences or meetups or whatever that might look like, even planning vacations or adventure experiences with your family, I think we often look at the what. So I love Dawn's insights in thinking about all of the little things that could go into making an experience memorable. So I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, Creating a memorable experience is often in the details. Imagine every aspect from an attendee perspective. It helps you recognize the little things that often get overlooked as you're planning the big things. Number two, your sense of smell is critical piece to creating a memorable experience. Walk through all the five senses, touch, taste, see, hear, and smell, and then design aspects of the event from those desired elements. Number three, recognizing your genius zone at work and in your personal life are important. Because Dawn is so involved in planning details at work, in her personal life, she's much more comfortable showing up and seeing what opportunities present themselves. Number four, creating experiences can also be a solo adventure. When Dawn was in Anaheim, she went to Disney alone. She asked strangers to take pictures of her and optimize her time using the single line for rides. As a solo adventure, she still created a memorable experience. Number five, FOMO can be motivation. The fear of missing out can be a helpful indicator in designing your list of desired experiences. Number six, buy the tickets without knowing all the details. When a legendary band was coming within driving distance, she learned to just buy the tickets and figure out who will attend with her later. Number seven, when people recognize you are a person that says yes, they are willing to share opportunities with you that you might not have access to otherwise. Notice, what do you say yes to? Is that what you want people to notice and invite you to more of? Number eight, be open to the opportunity when it presents itself. Some of the events she attended weren't from a deep desire to attend, rather a place of curiosity and connection. Seeing and hearing about an event is one thing, but it's a completely different experience to be there and with the people who are enjoying it. Number nine, a healthy indicator to saying yes is a sense of discomfort and a slight fear. Number 10, having an experience completely different from your life can offer a perspective that leaves a lasting memory. Ideally, sharing the experience offers a deeper connection as opposed to one person attending the event and telling others about the learning and perspective they gained. This has been such a fun journey. I can't wait to have you along for the ride. My one challenge for you is we are approaching my one-year anniversary. Uh, That's actually in November, but in July is when I purchased the podcast course. So I am feeling like a little nostalgic today as I 
come back into this space and recognize all that has been accomplished in the last year and what I've learned and gained from this adventure. So if you are willing to, I have a goal to hit 100 reviews by the time I hit my one-year anniversary, which is in November. November 11th is when I officially launched or November 10th maybe. And so if you have found value from any of these episodes, you've talked about it with a friend, if you could simply leave a review and tell me just one thing you learn from the show or one thing you really like about this show. It's really simple. I have an entire tutorial at OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review that'll walk you through the entire process. So if you would be willing to leave a written review, that would be a huge compliment to me and to the work of Ordinary Sherpa. Until next time, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.